7th of August 2022. So just before we were chanting the Dhamma Chaka Pavatana Sutta. And in short, the meaning of this is to recollect dukkha or suffering, the cause that gives rise to suffering. And this is one pair. And there's also the cessation of suffering and the path leading to that cessation. Of this maga and pala. So sila, samadhi and panya, virtue, collectiveness and wisdom, this is maga, this is the path, the path that our minds walk. And when they do so, we gain the energy uh, to win out over the causes of suffering, which is craving and clinging so that suffering doesn't arise. The cessation of suffering appears, niroda or nibbana, you can call it, and there's nothing left of the defilements anymore. You meet with freedom. There's no place for this craving to reside. It's the delusion that gives rise to this craving. And there's no place for that within the mind. Because normally it does reside within our hearts. But if we have knowledge, then this delusion ceases. Kilesas cease. Suffering ceases. Just don't have them anymore. So when we've met with a path like this, a noble path, then we should walk that. Because the paths in this world, those that we use to travel along, they may be very convenient and easy, so traveling along them may not cause much suffering. But those paths don't take us to meet with genuine happiness. So for us practitioners, while we're training, uh, we shouldn't allow, allow our minds to be stuck in the two ways um, of Kama Sukhalikana Yoga and Atta Kilamatana Yoga. So the first is uh, being involved in sensuality and the second in self-mortification. So when we practice, things are difficult because our minds aren't yet ready. Our samadhi isn't yet there. We can use the comparison to it being like a log that's in water. And that's the mind which is still delighting in uh, sights and sounds, odors, tastes, tactile sensations and thoughts. It's like a log that's immersed in the water. But when we take that log out, then it's very difficult to light that log on fire because it's been soaked in that water. So when we practice, it's like we're taking our minds out of this water, we're taking the log out. It means we keep these precepts, the five precepts or the eight precepts. But still it's difficult to set that log on fire. But when we develop our mindfulness, 
we give rise to firm samadhi through our bringing up of a kamatana object, the basis of our meditation work. And we do that for the sake of freedom, freedom from suffering. And when that happens, then it's like we are bringing this log up onto dry land. And it still has its sap, however. But when we contemplate and develop vipassana, and we look into the things that we are deluded in, like these bodies, for example, delighting in these bodies, seeing them as being beautiful, and we need to contemplate them and always be reflecting upon them. So perhaps sometimes you may see our clothing or for monks their robes as being beautiful, that they're very beautifully sewn together. But we need to be very careful here because if we are in that state of mind and we die tonight with attachments to our robes, then we may be born as a flea within those robes. So we need to take good care about our hearts, about the attachments that we have. Because wherever it is that we attach to, it's possible for us to be born there. Or like for laity who are attached to their wealth. They have these possessions and they cling to them. And they need to be very cautious about that. And so there's worry there. If they get sick, then they're worried about their wealth. If they're in debt and they haven't paid that back, then they're worried about that. Or if they've given a loan but they haven't received payment back, then they're attached to that, attached to that money. Or if they have money, then they're attached to that as well and to that inheritance. Um, whether who to give that to, their children, their grandchildren. So even though there is this wealth, the mind isn't carefree, it's not at ease. There's attachments there. But also if we don't have any wealth, things are difficult for us as well. So what's important is our wisdom. For the monastics, we've given these things up, given up our wealth, given up our homes, the things that we've used before. And what's left is these four requisites of clothing, shelter, food, and medicine. So we need to contemplate these before we use them. If we attach to them, then that's karma sukhalikana yoga, isn't it? If we die, then we may get born as a flea in the robe. If we're attached to our dwellings, then we may get reborn as a gecko in that dwelling. That the mind falls down. So we need to always be reflecting upon these things before we use them. So we don't get ourselves in debt. We don't use them with deluded delight. Because if we do so, then we get ourselves in debt to the lay people who have offered these things. Because they're wanting to offer them to monks who are sincere in their practice. So we need to contemplate them first. And we also have the sila there as our foundation as well. So may we all realize that these two paths of karma sukhalikana yoga, this delighting in sensuality 
and apta kilamatana yoga and self-modification, they're not the ways that we should take. They are the causes for suffering to arise. They give rise to craving, they give rise to clinging. But when the mind has these qualities, then it delights. Delights now here and delights there. That there is this kama tanha, this um, craving for sensuality, delighting in sights, sounds, uh, flavors, odors, tactile sensations, and thoughts. And then there's bhava tanha, this craving to have, to be. And that once we get something that we like, then we want even more of that. We want to experience that again. And it's not easy, knowing a sense of enoughness is not easy. Just like when people get some authority or seniority, then they can attach to that. And that just pursuing that just goes on and on. But in doing so, we waste our time. Those with intelligence, however, will find the time, and find the time to train their minds. Because if we look forward, what's left in front of us, then we'll realize that the time that we have left is little. For those who are aged 50 or 60 years old, and say that we die at the age of 80, then that's just 20 years left. And we don't stay for long in this world. And we need to leave everything behind once we go. So we shouldn't get ourselves concerned over these things. We shouldn't worry about these things, but rather use our time to train our minds so that they awaken, so that they become joyful, so that we can defeat the defilements. So these defilements, they cause us to be deluded in our bodies. So therefore we should take the mindfulness and wisdom that we have to contemplate this body. And the Buddha's already said that this isn't us. But if we see that as being me, as being mine, well how is that possible? The teachings of the Buddha, they're one, they're not two. So we should have the wisdom to see things in the way that they are. Because the Buddha just taught straight. So why isn't it that our minds don't see? Why is that? It's because there's avijja, this ignorance, that are covering and obscuring our minds. When our eyes see a form, then we take that form to be beautiful. If it's my form, then we see that as being beautiful. Other people's form, then that's beautiful. But our eyes just see the external parts. They don't see right into the form. But what's there inside? So the Buddha had us contemplate both outside and in of these bodies. If we just look outside, then we may see it as being beautiful. But what's there? What's inside? If we just see the outside, then we don't really know what's going on. It's like if we go for a health check at the hospital. If the doctor just looks at the outside of our bodies, then the doctor won't know what's really going on. He won't know what our lungs are like, what our heart's like, what our 
intestines are like, what our bones are like, because the doctor can't see those things. And perhaps for uh, Chinese doctors, then they're able to see to some degree from the external, but that's still not 100%. So when they give an x-ray, for example, then they can see clearly inside what's actually happening, what's there, able to confirm that, see whether there are any lumps there, there's anything giving rise to problems. You can check whether the heart is beating normally, or whether there are issues with the heart or with our veins, maybe an aneurysm. So they can know this clearly, and there aren't any doubts left. It's like us when we contemplate the body. When we contemplate inside the body, we'll see that it's not beautiful. We won't have any doubts about that. But then the kilesas come up again, and we look at someone's body externally, and we see that as being beautiful all over again. And it's really quick. So therefore we need to contemplate a lot. So we have this opportunity and we should try to find a peaceful place to give us that chance to practice. We're not able to always flee and get away from these sensory experiences. The eyes see a form, for example. But we can get away to some degree. So we should try to do that in order to cultivate samadhi, giving ourselves this good opportunity and as monks, novices, we have this opportunity because we don't need to work. Instead, however, we rely upon the lay people and on the goodness of the Buddha as well. So having received that support, we should sincerely set our hearts on this practice. And so for the laity as well. And as I've said before, it's not above your ability if you really set yourselves to it, you can do it. If we practice with sincerity, if we really practice, then we need to get real results for sure. So may you all bring your minds to peace. And if you don't get that peace today, then tomorrow you'll get it. But also don't be... Kind of too sincere, don't overdo it until you feel like it's squeezing you. If there's a lot of scatteredness of mind and it just won't stay put, then you can just follow up on what the mind is doing. If you try to just pull it back and keep it there um, all at once, then that can be really difficult. It's like if we're training a, say, a buffalo or a cow that's really stubborn and we've got a rope tied to it. And if we just try to pull it all the time, then we're going to exhaust ourselves. So we need to know kind of when to pull and when to give some slack. We can let the rope go a bit and then pull it again. So training our minds is like this. If it won't stay, then we can follow up on what it's doing, knowing what it's doing, knowing what thoughts are going on, and also knowing that those things are changing all the time, they're inconstant. They're not me, 
So we establish this as a principle for ourselves, that whether standing, walking, sitting, lying down, we're mindful. Drinking, eating, speaking, listening, thinking, we're mindful. May we all be cautious and composed, composed within our precepts or within the Padimokha, have this indriya somewhere a sila, this, uh, the sila of composure, restraint of the senses, of our eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body and mind, caring for our minds well. So we look after our lives in a way that is wholesome. We don't want to deceive any others because we're not interested in external things. We don't want to trick others, but what we want is the Dhamma. So this is a good opportunity that we have, that uh, the king of Thailand, that he looks after and supports the Buddhasasana, both in terms of those who study the theory and those who practice. He's also a very good example of someone who is generous, someone who develops merit and who meditates, who offers katina cloth. An example for Buddhists and for Thai people all over the world. So having received that support, the monks get time. They get time to practice. So therefore we're very lucky And we should use that well to sincerely meditate. The lay people have offered these four requisites through their faith. So then may we all uh, do a lot of walking meditation and sitting meditation, put our efforts into making our minds peaceful. And this is the duty of a monastic, something that we should do a lot, train in a lot, in order to meet with genuine happiness, in order for the mind to not give rise to liking or disliking, so that we can know the Dhamma and see the Dhamma. So may all of you walk on this path of sila, samadhi and panya, so you can defeat the defilements and craving, so that niroda cessation can arise and there's no suffering left. May you set your heart on this.